Amen. Good to see everyone this morning. Uh, I was telling Pastor Richards, there's been a lot of changes over the years. There's a lot of changes recently in the building and things. One of the things I did notice right away is that ginormous clock. (laughs) Is there any particular reason for that? Well, see, yes, because it used to be right there, and I would always say it was too small, and I couldn't see it, and I uh-huh. preached forever. So they, moved, <laughs> so they moved it over there, but you notice what's in front of it. Right behind the light. Right behind the light. I still can't see it. Yeah, so I can, <laughs> I can see the seconds, so it's all good. Amen. Amen. Uh, yeah, a lot of memories. I could go on and on. I was telling some folks this morning, a lot of embarrassing moments here for me, (laughs) a lot. Um, I remember there used to be a window back there, and there was a room up there, and it was filled with, like, office equipment, and me and Brother Rich, and I think Earl, and I'm not sure who else, maybe Frank, I don't remember, but we decided we needed to clear that out, make use of that room. We threw it all away. And uh, Brother Dwayne Tracy <laughs> opened the door. We were like, come look, come look. And he opened the door. He said, what happened? Said, we were like, we threw it all away. And he was just dumbfounded and shocked. And uh, we, me and Brother Frank dressed up as women one time and crashed a ladies' fellowship. And we laughed hysterically, but nobody else did. <laughs> I mean, I learned in this church not to preach anybody else's messages. Just preach what God puts on your heart. I came back from Bible college. I was so impressed with this one evangelist that had preached, and uh, I preached the same message here. And there was a portion of Scripture where it says all the people stood up. And at Bible college, we were so engrossed in what he was saying that we just instinctively all stood up. And I got to that same passage, and nobody did anything. And Brother Wilson was sitting right down here. He said, Brother Jones, do you want us to stand up? I was like, yeah, yeah, please. <laughs> I just, one thing, I, I missed a service that I was supposed to preach at. I thought it was at 7, it was at 6. I mean, oh my goodness, a lot of good memories though too. And uh, it was those doors I walked through one day at a pastor's fellowship and surrendered to preach here at Fellowship Baptist. So it's been a great ride uh, it was 1988, Rich, I think it was just a few months after you guys came that uh, we came, Linda and I, and um, it's just been great. Yeah, it's been good. And I'm grateful to be here today. I think it's pretty special for you guys to invite me to come and be a part of it. So I'm very honored. Would you take your Bibles and stand with me, please, to John chapter 13. John chapter 13. It's been a theme, and it's been a theme here today already. It's been on my heart, can't get it off my heart in the past week or so. I I intended to preach something different. I told Brother Rich as well as preaching. I'm not preaching that message. Uh, this, This just couldn't leave my heart. And so I believe this is what God wants for us today. Verse 33, little children, yet a little while I am with you. You shall seek me, and as I said unto the Jews, whither I go, you cannot come, so now I say to you, a new commandment I give unto you, that you love one another. 
This is the big one here, as I have loved you. That's so powerful that you also love one another. Can, can we just stop there a second and just think about that? The love that brought him from glory to be homeless here on this earth, to sacrifice his life and go to the cross. It's the theme of the Bible. The, really, the whole Bible could be summed up in four letters, love. It's just amazing that God, I, I think about it all the time. God, why? Why in the world would you love me? It overwhelms me every time I think about it. But he said, the same way that I've loved you, I want you to love each other. Verse 36, Simon Peter said unto him, Lord, whither goest thou? Jesus answered him, Whither I go, thou canst not follow me now, but thou shalt follow me afterwards. Peter said unto him, Lord, why cannot I follow thee now? I will look, notice this, I will lay down my life for thy sake. Jesus answered him, Wilt thou lay down thy life for my sake? Verily, verily, I say unto thee, the cock shall not crow till thou hast denied me thrice. Father, we need your help this morning. Father, quite honestly, the, the message that I need to bring forth this morning, I can't, I can't put this into the heart. I can't even describe it myself. And so, Lord God, we just ask that your Holy Spirit might overwhelm us today and help us today to be the kind of people that we ought to be and to be thankful for the love that you've given us. In Jesus' name, amen. You can be seated. I was going to ask you this morning what impresses you most about God, but I think you kind of know where I'm going this morning, amen? This is love. There's, I mean, if there was anything, anybody that you could have accolade upon accolade upon accolade, it would be Jesus, amen? I mean, there's nothing bad that you could say about him. You could go on and on and talk about all his good qualities, but the one, there's one that just stands out. He loves us. It's amazing. While we were yet sinners, he died for us. Why? Because he loved us. And loves us still, amen? He'll never die. He'll never stop. But it's interesting, he says in verse 35, By this shall all men know that ye are my disciples, if ye have love one to another. It's not what you know. It's not where you go. It's not how you go, but how you love. You will be defined by your love. Someday, someone may be standing over your grave, 
I've been at some funerals that are very sad. They, I can tell that people are trying to recall some good memories. But I've been at others where it's just time of rejoicing and laughing and joy because of the testimony that the person had. You're going to be defined by your love. You are defined by your love now. But also your love is defined by what you do. To love is a great commandment. Amen? Someone asked Jesus, a lawyer, and he, Jesus said, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy mind. This is the first and great commandment. And the second is like unto it. Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. In other words, if we can just get those two things right, everything else will fall into place. And yet somehow it's, it's not preached about a lot. It's somehow thought to be, you know, less masculine or, you know, whatever. Or you're too sensitive if you talk about that stuff too much, or if you get a little carried away and start to cry. But it's the great commandment. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. After all, again, it is what compelled God to send Christ. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. God is the very definition of love. But also love is the very definition of God. 1 John 4, 7 and 8, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, and every one that loveth is born of God, and knoweth God. He that loveth not knoweth not God, for God is love. We're to love one another as Christ loves us, as we already read, but in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 22, and by the way, we'll talk about Peter in a moment. He said, I'll, I'll follow you to death. And Jesus said, really? But later on he wrote, he said, see that you love one another with a pure heart fervently. He learned his lesson. In fact, we're to love our enemies. We're not to talk bad about them or gossip about them, but we're to love them. Matthew 5, Jesus said, But I say unto you, love your enemies, bless them that curse you, do good to them that hate you, and pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you. Jesus said, By your love will all men know that you are my disciples. Peter stumbled upon our mission to lay down our lives. Our mission is really the same as Christ. Jesus said, I've got to lay down my life. But that is also our mission as well. Jesus said, uh, you, you won't right now, Peter, but you will one day. You will follow me. 1 John 3, 16, Hereby perceive we the love of God, because he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. Jesus went to the cross because of love. Peter said he would lay down his life for Christ, but did he have the right kind of love at the time? Uh, you can look uh, over to John chapter 21. I don't, I don't know if, how many of you know that there's a 
How many, how many of you know that in John chapter 21, there's a play on words with the word love? Jesus said, if you love me, feed my sheep. If you love, three times. How many of you know that there's, there's some different terms about love there? Okay, some of you do, some of you don't. Some of you just don't want to answer me, which we'll deal with that later, I guess. But anyway, <laughs> there's three words for love in the New Testament. One is eros, and we get our words for passion. Uh, we really, I guess if we had to translate it today, it would be like sex. Uh, but it was used of Aphrodite, Eros, Venus, Cupid. But interestingly, it's not found in the New Testament at all. The other word that we do find is phileo. We get uh, a word Philadelphia, which means the city of brotherly love. And that's what phileo means, brotherly love. But then there's another word, and this is the one that Jesus used. It's agape. It's uh, divine love. It's not just love in emotion, but it's a love in will. means, really, we could say, you don't deserve it, but I choose to love you. And it's a fervent love. It's not just a, a, an emotional, a mental decision, but it's also an emotional one as well. It, it's, it's a love that has decided to love without any merit. It is a definition of God, for God is love. But in John chapter 21, I want to show you here uh, what's going on, really. We, there's these three words, but we have one word really in English, and it's, it's love. But sometimes you're going to see agape, and sometimes you're going to see phileo in this passage. And I, and I want to use those words. You understand agape is that divine love. Phileo is like a brotherly love, right? All right, so in John chapter 21, we start in verse 15. So when they had dined, Jesus saith unto Simon, Peter, son, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest, he says, agape, thou me more than these. Now, he, he might have been talking about the fish. He, he might have been talking about the, the gear, the boats. Or he might have been talking about the disciples. But whatever he was talking about, he said, do you, do you love me more than this? But he said, do you agape me more than these? And Peter responds, he says, He saith unto him, Yea, Lord, thou knowest that I phileo you. That wasn't what Jesus asked. Jesus said, Do you agape me? And I could see Peter, you know, this probably a rough fisherman. He said, Yeah, Lord, you, Lord, you know I love you like a brother. He said, Okay. He said, Well, feed my sheep, feed my lambs. He saith unto him the second time, Simon, son of Jonas, agape thou me? I can see him a little flustered. Lord, thou knowest. Lord, you know I uh, phileo you. You ever tell someone you love them and they get a little embarrassed and flustered? Like, really? You're a guy telling another guy that you love them? I do that all the time. It doesn't bother me. I don't mind embarrassing people either. But I, I'll come up to guys and hug them and say, brother, I love you. And they're like, yeah, yeah, me too. I was like, me too what? Yeah, you know. Yeah, you know, brother. 
That's kind of what was happening. He said, Peter, do you agape me? He's like, yeah, you know, brother, I love you. I phileo you. So Jesus said, all right, then feed my sheep. He said unto him the third time, Simon, son of Jonas, now look, he changed it. He said, phileo thou me? First two times, he's, do you agape me? Yeah, I phileo you. Do you agape me? I phileo you. And then this time he said, do you phileo me? Now I want you to notice it says, Peter was grieved because he said unto him the third time, phileo thou me. You know what I think Jesus was saying? Do you really even phileo me? I'm asking you to agape me, but do you really even phileo thou me? And he said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I phileo thee. Jesus said, feed my sheep. There's a brotherly love in the world. That's all that the world is capable of. It cannot agape, not without the Holy Spirit of God. But Jesus said, by this shall all men know that you are my disciples if you have agape one towards another. The same way that I have loved you, I want you to love one another. Peter got it. And later on, he said, you need to love each other fervently, passionately. You need to go after each other. You need to love one another as Jesus loved us. By this shall all men know that you're my disciples. It, look, I've said this at, at preachers' conferences before. The world doesn't, you know, there's churches that change their name to to try to attract the world. The world doesn't care what the name is on the sign. Uh, the other churches, they brag about, and they put, it, they put it in the yellow pages when there was yellow. We only use the King James Bible. They don't care about that. We can knock on a, a thousand doors today and say, we use only the ESV or the NIV, and they'd say, we don't, what is that? We don't even care. We only sing the good old hymns. They don't care about that. But what will make a difference is if you have agape. By this shall all men know that you are my disciples, if you have agape. Now, Paul illustrates the importance of love in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. If you turn there with me. I mean, it's, it's the message of the Bible. It's throughout. I mean, it, 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 it is spilling over with love. It, the Bible is God's love letter. Paul illustrates how important love is. We see it translated charity here. And really, we always used to say it means love and action because love has to have action. Love does something. It has to do something. A love sent Jesus into the world. And Paul says in verse 13, uh, chapter 13, verse 1, Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels and have not charity, I become as a sounding brass or as a tinkling cymbal. 
language without love is, is just noise. He says in verse 2, And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains and have not charity, he said, I'm nothing. Intellect without love is cruel. If we knew everything about one another in this room, we, we probably wouldn't even be here, would we? You know, God knows every deep, dark secret above, about us, and yet he still loves us. That's agape. Hey, that's when you know that you really love each other the way you should. When you find out things about people, and rather than judge, you love them and minister to them and care about them no matter what, amen? But intellect without love is cruel. Perhaps if we had all faith, we would feel like we just didn't need anybody else. But Paul, when he says, he says, so that I could remove mountains that have not charity, he said, I'm nothing. Really, the idea there, he says, I'm not even a man. If I had all the knowledge and, and I had all the, all the gifts of prophecy and I understood all the mysteries and I had all faith where I could just say to a mountain, go. He said, but if I don't have love, I'm not even a man. Verse 3, verse three and though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor and though I give my body to be burned and have not charity, it profiteth me nothing. Passion without love is just glorifying bravery. As a believer, we are measured by our, our love. And your love can be measured by what you do. There was a true story, newspaper columnist and uh, minister George Crane he tells a story. This, this woman walked into his office one day and, and she was just so mad at her husband. She said that she hated her husband. And she said, uh, I'm going to leave him. She said, but I don't want to just leave him. I want to destroy him. She had just, I hate this man so much. I want to absolutely destroy him. So in his wisdom... He says, I have a perfect plan for you. He said, I want you, quote, he said, I want you to go home and act as if you really love your husband. Tell him how much he means to you. Praise him for every decent trait. Go out of your way to be kind, considerate, and generous as possible. Spare no efforts to please him and to enjoy him. Make him believe that you love him. And after you've convinced him of your undying love and that you cannot live without him, then drop the bomb. Tell him that you're getting a divorce. That will destroy him. And with glee, her eyes shined and she said, yes, that's what I'll do. Well, a few months went by and she never came back in. And so he called her. And he said, uh, 
Did your actions work? Are you ready to carry out with the divorce? And she said, no, I can't do it. I've discovered that I really love him. I could never leave him now. You see, her actions had changed her feelings. Motion resulted in emotion. Love is also established much in fervent, not, uh, sorry, love is not established not so much in, a, in fervent promise, but in often repeated deeds. Let me say that again. Love is established not so much in fervent promise, but often repeated deeds. But isn't that scriptural? Proverbs 16, 3, Commit thy works unto the Lord, and thy thoughts shall be established. Sometimes we get the horse before the carriage, or the carriage before the horse. We get it all mixed up, and we say, you know, Pastor, I would love to teach Sunday school, but my heart's not in it. And really what the pastor ought to say is, you do it, and your heart will follow. Uh, I would love, love to tithe today, but you know, my heart's not in it, and I know that God loves a cheerful giver. Well, look, just put it in anyway, and God will give you a cheerful heart. If you commit to do the right things, God changes the heart. God blesses obedience. And so how do we build our love? Well, we start doing things that love does. And so Paul goes on in chapter 13, he talks about what love does. He says, I'm just going to paraphrase uh, through the next few verses. He says, uh, love is patient and it's kind. You want to build your love for one another? If you want to build the love of the church, you, you need to be patient and kind with each other. Amen? Uh, love doesn't envy, it's content. You know, it doesn't look at someone else, it doesn't become jealous because they got it and you don't have it. You know, envy is what caused Cain to kill his brother Abel. But you know, John the Baptist was content. He loved Jesus, and he said, he must increase, and I must decrease. Jonathan was content to have his friend David become the king when really it was rightfully his place. Love is content. Love doesn't envy Love doesn't uh, make a parade about what it's doing. It doesn't say, look at me and how good I am. It doesn't get puffed up. Love doesn't get a big head. It doesn't get filled with hot air. Love is courteous. Love is polite. Love has good motives, not selfish ones. Love doesn't have a bad temper. Amen? We're told to be angry and sin not. So love doesn't sin when you get angry. Love thinketh no evil. It doesn't gossip. It doesn't talk about stuff that's going on. Love is not happy when something bad happens to someone that you don't like. Love bears all things. You know, that literally means put a roof over it. We would say today, put a lid on it. Love puts a lid on it. Did you, did you hear what, you might privately say something, did you hear what happened to sister so-and-so? They said, yeah, let's, just, let's put a lid on that. That's what love does. It covers your back, amen? Love is not suspicious of everybody. Love is optimistic. Love remains strong through testing. In fact, love, verse 8, 
never fails. Now, we could get into some of this stuff here. It says in verse 8, charity never fails, but whether they be prophecies, they shall fail. Whether they be tongues, they shall cease. Whether they be knowledge, it shall vanish away. For we know in part and prophesy in part, but when that which is perfect has come, that which is in part shall be done away. But then verse 13 says, Now abideth faith, hope, charity, these three, but the greatest of these is love, is charity. Love is permanent. Think about this. Again, we could talk about those things that are going to vanish, but there, there are some gifts that will cease. Uh, when you get to heaven, there won't be any pastors, amen? Well, hallelujah, amen! There won't be any evangelists. There's no need. You won't need the gift of faith in heaven. You won't need the gift of giving in heaven. You won't need the gift of prophecy in heaven. Uh, you don't even need hope in heaven because you're going to see Jesus and all our hope is going to be realized. You're not going to need faith to believe in him. You're going to be there in heaven. As far as I can think of, everything that we've been given gifts for in the church is, is going to cease. We're not going to need them anymore. But there's one that's going to live forever. Because we're going to, we're going to live in his presence. We're going to live in the midst of love. We're, we're going to be dwelling in his love Love never fails. It, it will always do something. There's, you, there's people that you can't convince, but you can love them. You can't persuade them, but you can love them. There's, love never fails. It will always produce some sort of effect. And Jesus said, if you want people to know that you're my disciples, you've got to love each other. We just had a situation uh, a couple in our church worked for another guy in our church and the other day they walked out. <laughs> they said, we're done. That's it. It's over. There was a conflict. And I said to them, I said, you know, I've said this to you before. You're not going to get along with everybody in church. I mean, I don't mean that get along like you're going to hate them, but what I mean is there's some people, you go up and say, how are you doing today? And they say, good. Weather's nice, hot. Had a good week? Yep. Ooh, okay, well, anyway, good talking with you. And then there's others who's like, hey, how you doing? Great. And then you go on and you talk and talk and talk and talk and... You know, sometimes my wife's like, um, can we leave now? And you talk and talk, you can't stop. And there's some people who feel like you could talk to for hours and hours and hours. And there's others that you just don't do that. But that's okay. You can still love each other. I've told some folks, I, I said, there's a couple people that I, I'm pretty sure they would take a bullet for me. We don't talk all the time, but I'm pretty sure they take a bullet for me. 
There's some people like that. We're, we're to love each other. And so I told this couple, I said, look, it may not be the best situation for you working for him anyway, but you have to love each other. By this shall all men know that you're my disciples, that you love each other. Love invests in other people's lives. Love never fails. So I asked you this morning, you will be defined by your love and your love is defined by what you do. Christian, what are you doing? Jesus said to Peter, no, you, you, you can't follow me now. Well, one day you will. And Peter realized, really, didn't he? He didn't have the right kind of love. I have brotherly love, but I don't have agape. But later he said, church, you need to love each other fervently. And one day he was crucified. You know the story? They were going to crucify him for his faith. And he said, I'm not worthy to die like my Savior. And so they crucified him upside down. What causes a person to do that? Love. Love. What are you doing, Christian? What are you doing? Love is active. Love is fervent. Love pursues. Love does whatever you can to love the brethren in the church, uh, to go out of your way. Love evangelizes, tells the world about Jesus Christ. It's not just because it's visitation night. It's because you truly have a love and passion for the lost. And some people, and I think myself included, we would all say, I love, but I don't love enough. What do I do to build my love? That you keep doing what love does. You keep going after people. You keep laying down your lives for people. You do what love does. What are you doing? You say, well, I come to church. Well, you're, you're keeping the cushion squishy. What are you doing? What are you doing in church? Uh, some people say, well, I, you know, I've done all these things. You know, now I'm old and I don't. Do so you can't do anything more. And now that you're old, you can't do anything anymore. Can you pray? Can you talk to people? Can you, can you love on people? Can you, can you love on people when they come through the door? No one ought to come through those doors without being greeted, amen, without being loved. Uh, tell, tell the visitors, hey, we love you. Oh, they'll get embarrassed. Maybe not. Maybe they're craving that. They need that. They need to know where are the true disciples at. And like I heard this morning, you know what was different about this church? When I came through the doors, people let me know that they cared about me. By this shall all men know that you're my disciples. You love for one another. That's it. That's the bottom line. That is the story of the Bible. That's why God sent Jesus. And he said, I want you to love each other the same way that I love you. If, if we did that, people would not become disgruntled and leave the church. They just love each other. And like I told this couple, you don't have to, a working situation not may, may be the best and healthy thing for you anyway, 
but you love him. And you go into church with him. And that's all that matters. You love each other. You work out your differences when you love each other. Praise the Lord, that's what Linda did with me, amen? We've been married for 33 years. She worked out her differences with, well, some of them. And we got some more that were, she's working on some more of my problems, but she loves me anyway. You work it out when you love each other. So what are you doing, Christian? What are you doing? You're defined by your love, but your love is defined by what you do. So what are you doing? What are you doing? Maybe you're here and you've never accepted Jesus Christ. I, I want to tell you, there's everybody seeks love. Everybody in this world is looking for love. Everybody. It may not admit it, may not like to talk about it, but everybody wants to be loved. Do you know if you don't receive Jesus Christ, you're denying the greatest love that man has ever known. He loved you so much that he died for you to forgive you of your sins. Why not today be the day to say, Jesus, thank you for loving me. I want to accept you into my heart and life. Would you bow your heads with me and pray? Our Father, God, thank you for this day. Thank you, Lord God, for your love. Thank you for what you're doing in this church. Thank you for the love that we felt when we walked through these doors back in 1988. Thank you for all that you do. Lord, I pray that our love would be active and that all men would know that we are the disciples of Jesus Christ. And Lord, if there's someone here today that does not know you, I pray that today would be the day that they cry out and Lord, they begin the greatest love story that man has ever known. We ask in Jesus' name, amen.